You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Well, you all join us on uh, Medical Talk. And let's welcome a pious and sagacious ummah with a hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And alhamdulillah, our family physician, uh, Dr. Farooq Hafiji, has been a sterling job on uh, Marcus Sahaba. And alhamdulillah, has become a favorite with you, you and you, and also one of our uh, my favorite is uh, Dr. Farooq Kafiji, having a lovely history with him, a man that serves the Ummah, you know, just for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I want you all to lift your hands up and make special du'as uh, for Dr. Farooq Kafiji, his family members, and for the selfless uh, time that he has given over the years uh, for Islamic media and so forth. Dr. Farooq Kafiji, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, uh, beautiful evening? Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you, Shafat, and of course to your esteemed listeners. Yes, alhamdulillah, I'm fine with the, with the father of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Allah ta'ala has been very kind to me and, and my family and appreciated, really appreciated. Absolutely, Doc, and I can still visualize you when I was at the LCT center. You know, we should do that doctor's uh, medical show late at night. And there, you know, you used to come with your car and, you know, you'll be there. And even after the show, we'll just spend about half an hour talking to each other and embracing and, you know, really enjoying each other. Alhamdulillah, I can guarantee you that Mohabba is still there. But now with technology, Alhamdulillah. We can sit in our respective zones and have a lovely conversation. And people, our specialist uh, family physician, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Farooq Hafiji, and, uh, you know, he's there with us and he's going to talk to us. And, you know, we know as uh, Insan, Allah's uh, law uh, supersedes all, uh, everything. He supersedes all man-made laws and all man-made isms. And uh, this is uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's law and a man's opinion is being ushered in man trying to alter the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you know, this is a new world disorder which is being uh, ushered in and it challenges a divine decree. And you know, what comes in is uh, sexual immor- immorality, impurity, greed, bestiality, uh, you know, stealing, paranoia, mass deceit, murder, uh, genocide, etc. etc. But uh, to put our minds at ease and to look into the nitty-gritty of the problem is our very own, as I said, Dr. Farooq Hafiji. Now, Doctor, we know that Islam prohibits adultery, fornication, and strongly advocates marriage as a bedrock of religion and society. But unfortunately, Dr. Farooq Hafiji, popular opinion, which has engulfed some West-toxicated Muslims, has all but opened up the doors of uh, personal choice for the vilest of acts and deliberately taking God and religion out of the equation. And this is impacting so negatively on the youth of Islam. And you can find that homes, you know, perhaps many parents are shocked at the questions that they've been asked uh, by their children that perhaps are, you know, uh, from uh, university levels that are studying at these institutes. Some are graduates, some are working at these institutes. But the statements that they are making is contrary to what you and I, as young people, were brought up with. Uh, doctor, your comments? Uh, yes, that's, uh, that's become a, a huge problem, uh, Shabbat, and um, uh, something that we need to um, uh, ward off as, as best as we can. Uh, and uh, with uh, every uh, possible um, uh, action that we can take, 
you see, the, the problem is that uh, the people who advocate this, uh, the people, these immoral people, and and usually from the, the, um, the non-Muslims, they are actually a-religious people uh, who are who are pushing this, this agenda. Uh, and uh, what they do is they try and get as many people on their side as possible. So you see, if you are a criminal and you get more criminals uh, involved, uh, you feel better because you've got their safety in numbers as far as you're concerned. Uh, same thing with, with smoking. People who smoke, they know it's bad, but if you don't smoke, they'll want you to smoke because they'll want you to be part of that group so that uh, they feel more comfortable now that you are part of the group because now their group is a bit bigger and therefore is more acceptable to them in their mind that uh, that they know they're doing wrong, but it's more acceptable now because they are a, there's a, it's a bigger group that's doing this, that's indulging in this. And that's what's happening uh, with uh, with pornography and it's happening with all kinds of uh, of ills uh, and Muslims are getting involved in it because they are being dragged into into. Uh, into these things as well. Uh, in fact, I know there is a swingers club in Durban, actually, where, where Muslims, Muslim swingers club, where they where they go and they exchange wives, and then and, and they find that that's quite normal. Uh, and for the evening, they exchange their wives, and then the next morning they come back home with their wives again, uh, and uh, they they don't think anything wrong with it. They 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 feel that it's it's quite okay. They are free to do what they want to do. Uh, no, nobody can stop them. It's their life. Um, and they can lead it as they please. Uh, and uh, but you'll find that uh, people who do this kind of thing uh, are usually a bit far away from Dean. And that's where uh, we need to we need to look at it from the grassroots level. Uh, and we need to really uh, think about how uh, how your mind, the mind can be changed so quickly uh, to to a mind that accepts, uh, these uh, uh, abhorrent things that people are doing. Um, so, uh, and 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 if you have a firm, a firm, firm footing uh, in Islam, in in Deen, uh, in, and, and with a strong iman from from childhood, uh, from young adult, teenagers, young, uh, young uh, the youth, uh, as they grow up, uh, and and if their background is strong. In Deen, uh, but that's why the maktab system is so important for us uh, to develop this, and that's why the maktab should go five days a week, uh, and in fact maybe six days a week with practical lessons on on a Saturday, and then maybe some fun on Saturday to make it a bit easier for for the for the for the for the students uh, for the madrasa students, uh, something that uh, will draw them to the madrasa, and that needs to be done before they are twelve years old or before they are ten years old because. Once, if you don't do that and they're above 10 or 12, uh, you've lost them because now they will be lazy to go, they don't want to go, they have extracurricular activities and they have uh, so many other things to do and they'll come up with excuses and, and then so the maktab system goes out of the way. And that's why you'll find that in the maktab system, there are not many teenagers attending. Uh, and that's the group that we need to concentrate on. And that's the group that needs to have a very, very strong uh, iman base uh, and uh, you'll find that most of the deviation uh, takes place uh, during this adolescent period, towards the latter part of this adolescent period. And uh, if, if, if their belief system is not strong and the arguments against uh, these belief systems is not strong, uh, then then they, they, will, they can be swayed very easily uh, with arguments that to them justifies what they're doing. 
uh, and I think uh, there, there may be a fault with us as well, with us uh, elders, uh, because uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't allow that to happen. We should mm. continue. And I see there are efforts made now where they have youth programs, but I don't think that's enough. You, having a youth program once in, once in two months or once in three months is not going to solve the problem. Uh, you, and also, I find that the, the issues that the teenagers come up with from my counseling of, of young people, uh, I can see that the issues that the young people come up with are not being addressed uh, by by our scholars. They are, they are, they are, they are told about uh, you know, fire, fire and brimstone type of uh, lectures, you know, that you go to hell and you and you you have no chance and you uh, and and this is what uh, this is what Allah Taala says. Those people who do this kind of thing are going to are, are going to are going to end up in in Jahannam. That's fine. What they are doing is right, but they are not. I don't think they are. They are taking the, the 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 teenagers into their confidence, and to take the teenagers into their confidence, they need to be very very confidential. Uh, not mentioning what what the teenagers have said, uh, with the result that the teenagers can open up and ask those difficult questions that they have. Uh, they have got nowhere to go. So what they do, they go onto social media. Sometimes it's very embarrassing for them to even ask their friends about it. I get asked from some of my young uh, uh, patients, uh, and, and they don't mind because I'm quite open with them, and I, it's in full confidence. I don't tell the parents, I don't tell anybody about it. It's just between them and me. And they tell me some horrific things that they are thinking about, and I straighten them out as much as I can. Uh, uh, you know, but I'm, uh, this is one, one person that I'm talking to, or two people, or three, or four, or five, but there's a whole mess of these teenagers around with nowhere no place to go to answer their questions from an Islamic point of view. Some of them are very embarrassing questions that they ask. And I think we uh, we need to, in every organization, uh, Islamic organization, they should have one or two ulama uh, that, are, that are really, really keen on trying to uh, help the, 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 the youth, uh, have a helpline, have a youth helpline, uh, where the youth can phone in and all confidential, uh, without uh, judgmental, don't be judgmental, uh, and and uh, and be accommodating, and 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 in that way they can open up to you, and and we can then learn what is in their mind. Otherwise, you won't know. They will not discuss it with their parents because it's too embarrassing for them. So I think we need to we need to get back there. As far as now that's concerned, now with with the, with the adults and engaging in this. Uh, you know, all we can do is ask Allah Ta'ala to guide them, ask Allah Ta'ala to give them hidayat, ask Allah Ta'ala to, uh, to, uh, to uh, take them away from these fitnas, uh, and uh, whatever possible, Jumma Bayans and that kind of thing, whatever we can get them. And usually you find that these are the people that come late for, for Jumma. They miss the English part of the, of the lecture. They'll, they'll be there for the Arabic uh, khutbah. And so they don't know what, uh, what the um, uh, Imam has spoken about. So... Uh, and so these people, they, they deliberately avoid uh, learning the truth because they know the truth will be against them. So we need to find another way of trying to uh, trying to talk to them and tell them that, that the wrong they're doing uh, in, in a nice, polite way uh, and, and, and uh, the consequences of it. Uh, and uh, also try and tell them that they will lead a happy life uh, if they just follow the sunnah of Rasulullah, follow the Quran and follow the sunnah of Rasul obeying Allah and obeying his messenger and the people I want you to you know be very level-headed of uh, what you heard from uh, Dr. Farooq uh, Hafiji because he's got youth 
coming to him and confiding. You heard what he said, they confide in him. The things that they have told him, he cannot repeat it here. It's horrendous. This is it. Before, you know, we jump to conclusions. Oh, what is it? Here's a doctor that has that empathy, the sympathy for the youth. How have we lost the youth? What? Why are they disconnected? There is a distinct divide. As he says, on a Jummah, they will be the last one in and the first one out. You know what? The buck stops with the parents. This is a bottom line. You know, we, we blame uh, 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 Mufti A.K. Hussain says this uh, very eloquently. We can't put everything and blame the, you know, the, the, the ulama for everything. The buck stops at home also where the parents should be role models. They should be the one that should be having perhaps halkas at home also uh, motivating the kids. The first thing that you read is your salah, your Quran, your tilawa, your zikrullah, having all that prog- uh, program. I remember as a, as a young adolescent, what changed my life, uh, Dr. Farooq Kafaji, was that I was rummaging through my grandmother's cupboards. And there I found a beautiful book and I opened it. It was the seerah of Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu I sat down and I read that. It changed my life. Then I'd also discovered the Noble Quran. Well, I could uh, read the Arabic uh, uh, quite proficiently. And then I noticed there was an English translation next to it. That changed my life. And Alhamdulillah, the young man, whenever I played my sports, when I heard the azan, I ran to the mosque. I made sure I ran to the mosque for every azan I was there. And I used to even engage my local alim. And uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill his uh, no, the late Molana Harun. I said, Molana, let's put a table tennis table at the bottom of the uh, basement of this mosque. So whilst, you know, the, uh, the young men can come to the mosque and play table tennis and when the azan is, they can be there. You can join us. Molana actually played soccer with me, uh, uh, Dr. Farooq Hafiji. He was quite good as a right winger. And, you know, the Musad needs us to get involved. And we as youth were fortunate in, in that period of time where the whole community would the alim being like the captain of the team and so forth. And this is exactly what you're talking about. And perhaps another thing that we are missing, uh, uh, Dr. Farooq Afiji, is that extended family system where the elders of the family, it was a grandmother that spoke to her granddaughter about puberty and so forth and all these, uh, you know, very intricate issues and very sensitive issues. Grandmother did it in a certain way. The boys were reprimanded by the grandfather and the elders of the family, and each one took care of each other. And they made sure that everyone was in the straight and narrow. And perhaps even the community, if you look at the neighbors, neighbors were just not only neighbors. They were part of the family that were on the lookout for the well-being of the youngsters of the community. Perhaps your thoughts on that, uh, Doctor? Uh, yes, I think what what, what uh, my feeling is that uh, when uh, when when during my time when I was being educated Islamically from madrasa, uh, we didn't have proper madrasa qualified teachers. Uh, we had people that were uh, we hadn't we didn't have very many ulama at that time. I'm talking about the 50s and and the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the 50s. Uh, uh, the, the person who was teaching me was a Hafiz of Quran. We didn't know very much, uh, is, is very much uh, fiqh and uh, Islamic history and Islam, no, nothing. We, we used to just go there, uh, read our sabak, and uh, uh, learn how to make uh, salah, make wudu, and that was it. We didn't know much about uh, about religion itself, uh, and that's and that's a whole generation grew up like that, and these. This generation of people who grew, who went to the, who went to the madaris, uh, where where they were not properly qualified teachers, 
uh, they now became parents. And of course, their grounding in Islam wasn't very strong. And they uh, they didn't know very much about the hadiths and about uh, about the translations in the Quran. And uh, they just knew a few surahs and they used to read the salah and they used to uh, do whatever they, they could. Uh, and, and then we started getting, in the 80s, we started getting more qualified uh, ulama who were teaching properly, who were teach, teaching in the madaris, maybe late uh, maybe, maybe 70s, Darul uh, Ulum in Newcastle started at that time uh, and, and started producing ulama locally. Otherwise, we were getting uh, ulama who qualified overseas, and there are not very many of them in uh, India. Uh, but uh, you see, that generation of people who did not get the proper education became parents. So what we are seeing now are the children of those parents who are now with who are lacking uh, the, no, the knowledge that they needed uh, from from their parents. Uh, their parents didn't have the knowledge, so, so they didn't give it to the children. Uh, with the result that uh, this whole generation of uh, young adults who are now in their 40s and 50s, whose parents uh, were, were very ill-equipped uh, to answer their questions uh, logically and Islamically because they didn't know. And <clears throat> these are the people now uh, that are now having children, and how how are they going to impart Islamic knowledge to their children when they themselves don't know? So that's where we are at the moment. We are in a situation where we we may have to wait one more generation because the the, the because the maktab system has really taken off uh, in the last twenty years. Uh, we've seen a great improvement in the maktab system. Uh, we have Islamic schools as well, uh, and uh, there's a lot of emphasis on proper education with curricula, uh, with different subjects, Islamic subjects that are being taught. Uh, we never had that during our time. <clears throat> and uh, so now, hopefully, this generation of students will have a better Islamic background, and they will be able to answer the questions that the kids pose to them on a daily basis. And that's, I think, uh, will help us in, in the future. But for now, all those people who are now who ill-equipped. I know they are having some adult classes somewhere, but it's embarrassing for a 50-year-old to go to madrasa at mm. night or uh, in the evening uh, to learn about uh, basic things about Islam. Uh, and, and you know, these days, uh, people don't read books uh, anymore. Uh, they, they want things to be told to them. They want to listen to things or, or they want to read things on social media. Uh, they got no time to read a long book. Uh, so the, the so, you know, uh, uh, we need to look at lectures that have been given by our, our senior ulama uh, on, on the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu uh, You know, there are some very good ones. Anwar Awlaki has, has a good series uh, on, on the, on the life, life of Rasulullah sallallahu uh, Things like that, where they can uh, listen to it and, uh, and gain the, uh, what, the knowledge that they should have gained when they were younger. And now it's not too late. They can still do it. And you... If, uh, if and, and as you said correctly, that it comes from the parents. The parents are with the child. It depends how what the parents' thinking is, and it depends on what the parents instill into the children. And that's very important. Absolutely, Doctor. And also, you know, whilst you're talking, I was thinking about uh, the mixed signals that our youth are getting. Are looking at Saudi Arabia, the custodians <clears throat> of the two holy mosques. They uh, totally have uh, lost the focus and compass of Islam. Whereas they opened it up to, uh, you know, all these uh, Baathil forces coming and having rave parties and 
casinos and gambling and name it everything is being opened up there hollywood bollywood sollywood all getting there and you know running amok in the holy land there and our youth are looking at that and saying and then they look at the incarceration of so many ulama that are standing up and they talk against uh, uh, the despotic rulers there they're thrown into jail some are murdered you know allah save them and so forth and then uh, you are not even allowed in places like that to talk about islam or even give dawa to people you know the quran a third of the quran addresses the yahud and the uh, the nasara saying kul hatu burhanukum in kuntum sadiqin bring me a proof if you are truthful mixed signals all over and you know if uh, you notice the secularism has been uh, taking away religion away from the lives of people and uh, you know this is how the youth are being uh, confronted by this and you know in this world of uh, deception it's a very difficult world that we're living in and then we find perhaps amongst ourselves our scholars fighting each other and not even showing a unity amongst each other how do you make up this puzzle you know uh, it's, it's it's a truly a stupendous challenge dr farooq hafiji yes it's and you know it's uh, uh, this uh, what you call this mixed feelings that people are getting we are seeing youth now with with anxiety which we never used to see before uh, i am seeing more and more young people with anxiety generalized anxiety uh, and uh, and uh, you know it's 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 something that we need to think about because uh, it's affecting our, our children very badly and and the reason is that they have they're getting uh, mixed feelings uh, about uh, what uh, what's going on in the world and what they should be believing in uh, that we we need to instill in them that we are different we are clean we are different our morals are different uh, from the from the non muslims um, so you know I, i usually tell them that our 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 soul is so pure uh, that allah sala allah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created our soul and it's allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who puts the soul into the fetus that's, that's us when we were in, when we were in the wombs of our children and our and the soul uh, our soul carries the shifas of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it, can, it has all the attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, ingrained in it uh, so so it is humble it is uh, uh, it is caring it is compassionate it is loving uh, it, it doesn't like to see anything wrong being done to anybody else uh, it uh, the soul the soul gets upset when you when 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 that sort of thing happens it doesn't it doesn't want to steal it doesn't want to gamble it doesn't uh, it it it's it's, uh, it's appreciative appreciative uh, it says thank you jazakallah for all the uh, for anything that has been done to this this is our soul but then we come into this world and now we are faced with our nafs and our nafs is part of our dunya and and uh, and, and and that's our desires and that desire is 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 uh, accelerated uh, by by things around us uh, you know whether it's um, social media whether it's uh, what we see on billboards or what we see on uh, on the streets around us and and all the things that are happening all the things that are being told to us uh, this all feeds into our nafs and then now there is a battle between the nafs and 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 our soul because the nafs is directly against our soul what our soul wants and what our nafs wants uh, is directly diametrical diametrically opposite so there is a confusion there is a confusion in their mind and that's what creates the anxiety the anxiety is created by the fact that they know they're doing wrong but they want to do it because uh, their desire their nafs takes over and and they want to do it so they they look at the they look at uh, what's going to happen in the future when we are when we really are not supposed to we should leave that to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do what we can now ground ourselves in the present 
and think about what's happening now because everything is in, con- in the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then they start worrying about what's going to happen in the future and, and how, how we're going to uh, live and, and uh, this is what's happening and this is what I need to do and, and this is the type of house I need to build and this is what, the type of car I need to drive. All that's the nafs. And, 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 the, and your soul is telling you, no, don't go in that direction. Don't go. I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy just being humble and, and, and just uh, getting the risks that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has given me and so there is this constant battle between the soul and 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 our nafs and 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 the stronger this battle is the more anxiety you are going to feel so the the, the lower this fight is between the, your soul and your nafs the lesser the anxiety you will feel and in fact if you can discard your nafs completely and 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 it's very difficult to do but if you can annihilate it if you can remove it you will be the most happy person in the world because now you are satisfying your soul, which is what we need to do. We need to get, we need to satisfy our soul so that our soul knows that Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our soul knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our, our soul wants to take us towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we are resisting it because of our nafs. And that's where the, 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 the conflict takes place. And... Uh, uh, so, so the, 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 the way to get rid of that anxiety is to go through and find out what are these people doing which is against what the soul wants to do and try and fix that up and you'll see the anxiety disappearing slowly. It's, it takes a long time, but that's how it works. Doctor, very eloquent there, mashallah. The love of this world is like drinking salt water. The more you drink, the thirstier you become. And another scholar said, the love of this world you know, is a source of misery. Dr. Farooq Kafaji firing on all cylinders this evening. Mashallah, we notice a lot of questions have come in for the show. He's a medical files, a fantastic conversation with our very own uh, Dr. Farooq Kafaji, who's a family physician. And alhamdulillah, as I said, your questions uh, that have come through. The first one I'm looking at, uh, Dr. Farooq Kafaji, is uh, one from Asif. He says, uh, Shafaz, I really enjoy your program. And uh, great to have Dr. Farooq Kafaji. I've been his uh, fan for many years. And now I've got my children also listening. Jazakallah khair once more. He says, I know I put them to bed now and uh, because I have to ask this question. He says, is pornography a diagnosable uh, psychiatric uh, condition or a uh, public health issue? About uh, He goes on to say about 40 million Americans uh, visit porn sites on a regular basis. And this is also a worldwide occurrence. And a doctor recently it says the Amaratis and the Arab states are the biggest watchers of pornography. Please advise, uh, doctor. Uh, doctor Farooq. Uh, yes, uh, it is. Uh, it is a. It is an addiction. It is an addiction like gambling, uh, like drug addiction, substance abuse. Uh, it is an addiction because a part of the brain that's involved uh, with uh, watching pornography on an ongoing basis. Uh, is a part of the brain uh, which deals with our uh, with our with our with our addiction. It uh, it, it forces us. It's a, it's it's a part of the brain uh, where chemicals are produced, which makes us feel very good. Uh, and 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 those 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 feel good chemicals are only produced when you do something that that part of the brain wants you to do. So it's a bit difficult to understand what I'm saying, but try and try and understand what I'm saying. Uh, this, these chemicals, of course, at the beginning, when you when you see say your, say you see your first 
on a movie or, or documentary or whatever it is, uh, you get a bit excited and, uh, and, and then your, body, your, your brain starts producing these feel-good hormones. It, it makes you feel very nice. Uh, and of course, uh, then the next time, you, uh, maybe you may not want to watch it again for a while, but again, you say, okay, let me just watch this. And again, you watch it. Uh, and again, a little bit more of that hormone comes out and you feel so nice about it. And then so you, you do it a little more frequently. And as you do it more frequently, your brain starts producing more and more of these feel-good feel good hormones when you watch it, uh, with the result that after a while, uh, you, want to get, you want to get that nice feeling. And when you want to get that nice feeling, you now learn that if you do this, you get that nice feeling. So now you start watching more and more porn because you start feeling good and good and good. So if, every time you're sitting and you say, oh, you know what, I, 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 want, to, I want to get that good feeling again, uh, I have to watch some porn. And, you ha and, and it's like a, uh, like a compulsion. Uh, you know, you, you get into a situation where you really feel compelled to go and watch that uh, porn uh, so that you can get that good, feel good uh, hormone coming out and, and, you, and you feel good about yourself. So that's 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 the reason why it's very difficult to get people off porn uh, because they get addicted to those hormones that their own body is producing. Uh, so uh, you know you have to get to a withdrawal stage, like how you withdraw from any addiction. You have to withdraw from pornography uh, in the same in the same sort of way, uh, producing less and less of these feel-good hormones. Replace it with other things that produce these. Uh, uh, good feel good hormones replace it with love and understanding and care and compassion uh, which also produces these these good these feel good hormones uh, and so you replace the, uh, the, the 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 bad thing that's producing them with the good things that are producing them uh, so that you, you know you 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 transfer it from from the pawn to uh, family support and and loving family and uh, children and loving children and that kind of thing uh, so uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's, it's spreading because, uh, you know, with anything that you watch on TV or on your phone, uh, there's not much thinking involved. Uh, you just have to watch. Everything is told to you. You've got captions now. Even when the person is speaking, there are captions there. So if you miss what the person said, you just read what the, what, what the caption. They're making it so easy for you. They make it so, so, so easy for you to catch you. Uh, and, uh, and so... You know, you, 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 it's, it's this watching of, of these things on, on, on the phone or on the, on the TV uh, that needs to stop. And, uh, and because, you know, one leads to another. So uh, when they watch porn, uh, people who are addicted to porn, and when they watch porn, they want, uh, and usually it's the men, uh, some women also watch porn, but more, mainly it's, it's men. Uh, they want their wives to perform just like how those actors performed in the in that uh, in that clip or in that movie, and and if the wife doesn't perform as good and she doesn't know about it because she's innocent and 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 she is not involved in this kind of thing, uh, and and if the wife doesn't perform well, they call they tell her you're useless, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to do it, and and uh, uh, they, they make make them feel very bad and giving them a, a low self-esteem. It can cause relationship problems between husband and wife, uh, serious relationship problems. Uh, it can affect the children very badly, uh, and, uh, and, it, and it results in a lot of broken marriages, a lot of divorces uh, caused by this watching of, uh, of porn. Uh, it's an addiction, and, and we need to support these people. Uh, and we need to first, um, we don't know who they are. Uh, it's, it's, some, it's something that they do on their own. Uh, they don't go out to buy the drug. 
Uh, they don't have to steal anything to buy the drug. So nobody really knows who they are and what they are doing. They just do it in the middle of the night without anybody knowing about it. Uh, so it's a much more difficult addiction uh, to, to sort out. Uh, gambling, you know the person goes out, the person is going to the casino. So there's some physical activity that you can work out that this person uh, is involved in this addiction. But with porn, it's different. With porn, there is no, you're not doing anything out of the way. You are just sitting away in your room or in your house, and you are, you are indulging in this, uh, in this, uh, uh, in this uh, addictive uh, process. Uh, and, of course, they don't tell anybody that because they enjoy it so much. They just keep quiet, and they, uh, and they mess up their lives really, really badly because it affects their relationship. No matter what they say, it definitely affects their relationship uh, with their spouses. You know, Dr. Farooq Hafiji, whilst you're talking, and I could just uh, visualize our late uh, Morana Yunus Patel Rehmullah. And, you know, in all his, uh, uh, you know, uh, conversations and uh, the, the, the bayan that he used to give, he used to bring in these issues of uh, pornography and all. And he used to make the point so vividly and say, imagine, you know, you've got all this equipment and, you know, even on your phone, it actually uh, logs on and it makes a record. It takes a record of what you have seen in your library and you pass on. And then your family members, uh, you know, look into your into your phone and look into your history and they say, uh, what? Our father was involved in this. And, you know, imagine the shock they get uh, discovering that. Then also he uh, made a very valid point. He said, there you have an innocent, very pure wife, you know, that uh, Allah has given you park and all that. But you go to Napak places like, uh, you know, the escort agencies and so forth. And you go and, uh, you know, you throw away your dignity, you throw away the barakah, you throw away that iman Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. And I think, uh, you know, doctor, you made a very valid point indeed by bringing this issue up. And Allah bless you for uh, bringing a very important issue uh, that is generally put under file 13. Moving on, and I uh, look at another message. It says, assalamu alaikum. Uh, it's uh, from Mia. How effective is talk therapy? Yes, we get a lot of people now they're told, okay, you know, the family needs to go for counseling. And in your case, you do a lot of talk therapy too, because you had, as you said, the youngsters coming to you and you're talking to them all the time. And, you know, no medication, just talk therapy. Talk to us about talk therapy, doctor. Uh, yes, it's a very complicated thing. It's, it's not something that uh, any person can do because you need to know what you're doing and what you're going to be talking about. Uh, and sometimes, uh, if you don't know what you're doing and, and how, how you're doing it, uh, it can cause serious family problems on the other end, uh, because the, there will be a blame game and, and there, will be, uh, there will be a war going on on the other side uh, with, with what you have said. And so, so uh, the, the, you know, talking to people and counseling people, basically, uh, what, 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 we, what we need to do is make people understand that what they are doing not telling them, not telling them, but making them understand that what they are doing is not right. If you tell them, they'll shut off and they'll walk away because they don't want to hear. And that's human nature. So what, what the, 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 the talk session is usually involves awareness of wh what they're doing. You see, uh, what happens in, in our families, uh, uh, we, we, we grow up with our parents uh, thinking that the way our parents live and what our parents say and what our parents do is normal. They can be completely wacky and, no, and abnormal, but we, as growing up children, think that that wackiness and that uh, ill behavior 
And that the way that father treats the mother, uh, the way the mother treats the father, uh, no respect, they feel that that's the way, that's the way, that's normal life. And so they grow up thinking that that's the way it is because they haven't lived with any other family members. Uh, the only exposure they get to a different set of parents is if they go and live with a friend for a day or two, then they can see the difference between their parents and the other parents. Uh, and, and that's the only exposure that they will get. But they'll still come back home and face the same challenges and think that that's what normality is. And, and that's what, in a talk session, we, that's what we need to get out of them. We need to get it out of them and tell them that, you know, that behavior is not right. Uh, that behavior that your father was abusing your mother uh, is not supposed, to, not supposed to be like that. It should be a loving relationship. It should be a symbiotic relationship, one depending on the other and helping each other and caring for each other and have compassion of, 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 between each other. So the talk, talk therapy usually uh, involves uh, talking indirectly to the person to try and get them to think differently, to think them to, to, to get them to think in a normal way, if I can put it that way. Uh, what's normal is, a, is another issue. We can talk about that in another program. Uh, but uh, uh, normal to one person will be a normal will not be normal to another person. But we're looking. Our mm. normality is based on Quran and Sunnah. Our normality uh, is based on what our behavior according to the Quran and our, according to our Sunnah, and that's our guideline. That's our goal, and that's what we need to be heading for. All of us, all Muslims, should be heading in that direction. Uh, with, with a common goal, with a common uh, uh, understanding of what Allah Ta'ala wants us to do to get close to Him. And, and what Rasulullah wanted us to do uh, or wants us to do even now uh, in our families to have to lead a, 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 a happy life. So the talk therapy is usually a guiding, a guiding the person to that type of thinking, not telling them what to do. Because the moment you tell them, you know what, you better, you better go and read the Quran and go and you know, look, look at this hadith and, and look, you go to Jahannam if you, if you do this. Uh, you're, you're a bad guy. You are, you, uh, you know, they're not going to stay with you. They are going to, they're going to find the first escape route and get out of, get out of, of your clutches. Uh, so that's not what you need to do. You must not tell them what to do. If you tell them what to do, they will walk away. You have to know. That's why I'm, it's important to know what to do and how to do it in these talk sessions, because if you do it the wrong way, you can create a major problem. Uh, because once once they, once they you've done it wrong, uh, the next time they need to go for some counseling, they'll say, no, I went for counseling. Hey, the counsel, counselor was terrible, man. I don't want to go to the, I don't want to go to a counselor. It's, it's, just, it's just not worth it. Uh, because that first experience was just such a bad experience. Uh, so, so we need to make them understand what we should be doing. And uh, that is a very, very delicate matter, and it's slow steps. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not one lump sum thing. Uh, it's a slow step by step by step by step approach to bring them slowly into thinking uh, that we need to follow the Quran and we need to follow the Sunnah of our beloved Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Doctor, you make a lot of sense, and there you have uh, the talk therapy. As you said, not everyone can do it. You have to have uh, some type of uh, knowledge uh, to handle uh, the situation, and uh, depending on the age factor and so forth, and uh, the psychological uh, makeup of that individual, and you talk a word in season. And, you know, you do all the good work, Doc. They come to you, they talk to you, but then they go back home, and the negativity hits them once again in the face, perhaps uh, 
you know, a mom or a spouse uh, gives them again a whole barrage of uh, negativity and your talk therapy uh, seems to vanish in the haze. Uh, talk to us about that, doctor, that yeah. your good work being undone when they go to a place where they're supposed to have a peace and sukoon. Yes, part of the part of the talk therapy involves uh, uh, in, involves um, uh, things that we can give them, uh, tools that we can give them uh, to ward off these negative uh, thoughts and negative feelings. Uh, we give we give them some idea of what they must do uh, when they are confronted with a situation like that. Uh, so uh, so it's, it's they're armed. They're already armed. They know now if this happens at home. This is what I must do. And one of the things that you need to do is politely go away from there. Uh, go away somewhere where you can't hear them. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and don't answer back. Uh, don't don't uh, argue with them uh, because you, it's not worth it. It's not, it's not going to get them anywhere. Uh, you need to still focus on, on what we spoke about. And uh, you need to uh, make like a, form like a shield between you and them. Uh, so that it, the, whatever they're saying bounces back to them, it doesn't come to you, and and that that uh, that is something uh, that uh, that that needs to be done in every session. Uh, we need to give them coping skills uh, of how to manage. But they, uh, but uh, this is this is different from a from a person phoning you and talk wanting to talk wanting wanting to talk to you. That's different. Uh, a person who phones you and wants to talk to you about their problems. Uh, that's not talk therapy. That's that's catharsis. You allow them to say what they want to say. You allow them space to say exactly how they feel and how. You just give them open the open the gates and and allow them to talk and tell them, look, this is confidential. It's just between you and I. I'm not going to repeat it to anybody, uh, and and you must not repeat it to anybody uh, because if you do repeat it to anybody, you've lost your confidence in that person. That person will lose confidence in you. You have to be. You have to forget about what that person has told you. Don't tell it to anybody, not even your spouse. Just keep quiet about it, and then you'll find that you gain the confidence of that person, and that person will phone you back again and tell you about all the things that are happening. And in fact, what happens in that, in that kind of situation, it's like a catharsis. And, and they, 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 they cry, uh, they, may, they, they may get angry, uh, they may get upset. Uh, it's a way of them releasing the tension uh, from their own life by talking about it. And, and, and what happens is, uh, while they are talking about it, uh, the solution comes to them automatically. And it's Allah Ta'ala's way of trying to get them on the right path without you saying a word. You don't have to say anything. You just have to listen to them and say, yes, yes, I understand. Um, oh, that's not very good and, and uh, that kind of thing. No, no uh, comment. No comment about, uh, oh, you should have done that, you should have done that, or they should have done that, they should have done that. And uh, the temptation on the person who's listening is great to say those things, to say, you know what, you shouldn't listen to that person, that person is bad, don't go and visit them, cut off your ties with that person. No, this is not your job. Your job is just to listen. Just listen, and, and as the person speaks, while they're speaking, their own solutions will come into their head. And then they'll ask you, uh, don't you think I should be doing this? Then you can tell them, yes, that's what you should be doing. But it wasn't your idea. You knew what they had to do, but you didn't tell them. You kept quiet until they told you what they think they should do. And in that way, you get their confidence and they will do what they are saying because they said it, not you. And, 
and 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 this is this is a different from talk talk uh, uh, talk sessions. This is this is a situation where they phone somebody uh, who who they have a confidence in. So they they may phone anybody. They can phone uh, an, an alim. They can phone uh, a, a, a a senior member of the family, and and, and, they, and they may they may phone an auntie or somebody. And this is what they need to do. Whoever phones you and starts talking about their problems, just keep quiet. Don't tell anybody anything. Just keep quiet and listen to them and direct them. Uh, if they ask you what what you should do, then you can suggest some of some of the things to them that they need to think about it and they need to work out what's best for them rather than telling them what to do. Uh, and I think if you do that, uh, you'll get a much better success uh, rate. Yeah, and uh, doctor, you know, also uh, the elders of the family, you know, sometimes they're far away. They love uh, to talk uh, to individuals and sometimes, you know, they call you at odd times and you're very busy. And, you you know, it's so hard to and difficult to tell them, you know, in a diplomatic way, you know, I've got some engagements, I've got something to do. And they want to talk to you and they take you back to the past and they say, you remember this, you remember that. How do you ha- tackle or how do you handle such uh, sensitive issues? Because, you know, the next moment if they put the phone down, you know, they could be gone from this dunya, doctor. Uh, give uh, perhaps uh, many of them do have these uh, types of challenges. Uh, what do you do then, uh, doc? Yeah, some people keep these grudges with them uh, all their life, and and it creates a big burden on them. And and uh, uh, so you know, the people who have upset them in the past and have created a problem for them in the past uh, don't even know that this person is still suffering. They are they are suffering um, uh, with themselves uh, by by their own thoughts, uh, and nobody knows about it. And even the person who's harmed them doesn't know about it. So what is, we call it wasted emotions. We we point it out to them. Tell them you you're wasting your emotions because the person who did this to you doesn't even know that you're thinking about it. They've forgotten about it long ago. And and the other thing that we need to explain to them that what has happened had to happen because. Allah Ta'ala controls everything. Whatever happened, has happened. You can't change it. You can't go back and say, I, don't, I, I didn't want that to happen. And I didn't want those actions to, to have occurred. But they occurred. And now you, you can't undo them. It's, it's something that you need to just forget. Something that you know that happened, it happened. Uh, and you can't undo it. So you don't look at it. Uh, from a point of view where you regret it and say, only if I did this, only if I, if if that person said this, uh, I should have said this, I should have done this. Uh, these are words that shaitan places into our heads. And uh, we need to stop thinking like that. We need to say, well, this occurred. Uh, just, it was not, not very pleasant for me, but now I'm different. Ground yourself in the present. Ground yourself in the present. Think about what's happening now. Uh, don't worry about what happened in the past. You can't change it. You can't do anything about it. Do whatever you need to do now. And and uh, and in that way, you will slowly get rid of the past in your life by focusing on what's happening at the moment. Because sometimes when whoever has done wrong to you in the past can become a good friend of yours in the present because they have changed their attitude and they, they may have uh, regretted what they're doing, but they haven't told you anything. And they they uh, they uh, the demeanor to you is a very pleasant one. They want to be friends with you. Now you've got this thing stuck in your head about what happened 20 years ago, and you don't want to make friends with them. And uh, so you are losing out on something that should happen at the present time. So forget the past. You, can, you don't have to forget what happened. 
you can remember what happened, but forget uh, forget the the bad feelings that you had and 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 the negative feelings that you had, and try and think more positively uh, about what's happening around you at the present time. Uh, yes, sir, Doctor. Very informative there, indeed. Uh, Faisal, he says, uh, keeping up with the Joneses are conspicuous uh, consumption, addiction to material things. Uh, doctor, I want to know from you what causes a person to be materialistic and uh, get uh, deep into this dunya, doctor. Starts starts in childhood, uh, Shafa. It starts in chi- childhood when we give in to children who want things, not what they need, what they want. There's a big difference between the two. What they need is some clothes on their bodies. What they want is a designer clothes. So you, you, we need to make the difference out. We need to say, what does this child need? This child needs a pair of shoe. Okay, you go and buy a pair of shoe that's suitable for the child. Not looking at the designer label and not looking at how expensive it is, you buy something that is suitable for the child, that's comfortable for the child. But the child, if you if you give the child the habit of of, of wanting wanting something, so if the child goes out and and sees their friends wearing a designer shoe, they'll come home and they'll want a designer shoe. Although although they've got a a, a, a wonderful comfortable shoe that you bought them, and they keep pestering you and pestering you, and it is up to you to say no. You've got a good pair of shoe. Uh, when you when you wear this one out. Uh, we will we will buy you another one which is which is comfortable as well. Uh, but we are not buying that one because that one is not very much different from this one. Uh, and in that way, you make the child understand that they need to buy things and they need to to get things which uh, they need, not not what they want. Uh, that's the problem. And and as a child, if you give them what they want and you give them what they want all the time, when they come to teenage life, you give them what they want, and when they grow into adult life, they want what they want. Uh, they don't want. They don't. They're not thinking about what they need. They're thinking about what they want, and that's that's where the nafs comes in and tells them, no, you need to you need to buy. You need to show off your clothes. When you when you wear clothes, you wear clothes that are that are pleasing to you, that's comfortable for you, and that looks that looks uh, <clears throat> clean and looks attractive uh, for uh, for the people who are who are watching you. Uh, but if you're wearing clothes. For the for others to look at you and for others to say, oh, you've got this designer top, uh, then you are in the wrong lane. You have to get out of the lane uh, because you are wearing clothes to please others. You are not wearing clothes to please yourself. And uh, uh, so so that again creates anxiety uh, because every time they want to go out, uh, they'll say, okay, you know what? I went to this person's house and I wore this top uh, the last time. Uh, and, and I don't want to wear the same one again. I need to buy another one uh, because now they've seen this top. I need to buy another one so that they can see a, another one uh, and tell me, wow, what a lovely top you've got. Uh, and and that again gives you that good feel, good that hormone, that feel good hormone in your brain. Uh, so because of that, uh, you want to keep going and buying things new uh, just to please other people. And usually these are designer clothes. So I think I think from childhood. We need to say to ourselves, look, uh, you know what? Uh, you just buy things to, 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 for your own comfort, for, for, your, for, your, own, uh, uh, for your own needs, uh, and uh, Islamically orientated, and uh, don't buy clothes to show off to other people. That's where the problem starts.
Rather, the doc, and whilst you're talking, I just thought about this. Uh, does a materialism differ from culture to culture? And is it a psychological and emotional trigger? And how do materialists impact on those around them? You know, and perhaps, you know, you look at the perhaps the whites and the, the, the white of the Western culture with the Indian culture. And you notice that the Indians already love the gold and, uh, you know, all these things. They uh, they say per capita in the world, uh, the Indian population have more gold than any other proper uh, grouping in the world uh, because they insatiable love for gold. And perhaps would you say the Indians are the most materialistic in the dunya, Doc? Yes, I think that's a cultural thing. It's a tradition uh, to to buy to to buy gold jewelry, and I think we get it from India rather than from uh, from our Islamic uh, heritage. Yes. Uh, it's an it's an Indian thing, uh, and uh, usually it's something to secure the person. Uh, and uh, usually the person uh, gets this during a wedding or engagement or something like that, and and it's, it's something of value that they can keep with them. And so when they are in dire straits and uh, run out of money, at least they can sell this jewelry, which is worth something. Uh, it's not imitation jewelry, it's something that, that's worth something. And that, I think that was the thinking behind giving gold jewelry in, in the past. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, as, as something that has stuck with, with, our, with our community. Uh, and, and I don't think it's, it's, it's also in the Arab, Arab world. Uh, the Arabs also indulge in very, very, very expensive gold jewelry and diamond jewelry. Uh, and again, that's not uh, according to the Sunnah of the Surah It is something that they, they do uh, to compete with each other. Uh, you go to one of these jewelry shops in, in Makkah or Medina, and you see the extravagant necklaces uh, and headgear that uh, people have, gold, all gold, 18, 24 karat gold. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cultural thing. It's, it's, not a, it's not an Islamic thing. But again, uh, you see, you see that feel-good hormone that I'm talking that I continuously talk about. That's the thing that drives us to do more of it. So the more you praise a person uh, who has these things, the more they feel that they should do it because they feel so good about it uh, that they want to do more of it, uh, so that they get more of this feel-good hormone coming in. And no matter how much you tell them, uh, they still want to get that good feeling. Uh, and this good feeling is driven uh, by people telling them what a wonderful jewelry you've got, what beautiful taste you have, uh, and how expensive it is. You must be a very rich person to be able to afford this. And that all makes you feel very, very nice as far as the dunya is concerned. And that's what makes, that's what drives people to go and do more and more and more of that. And same with designer clothes and same with uh, uh, with uh, things that uh, it, it goes on to cars and it goes on to properties and it goes on to houses and everything. Uh, it permeates everything. And this is the feel-good thing that we are talking about. We need to transfer that feel-good thing to our soul. Our soul needs to make us feel good and our soul needs to make us uh, feel wanted and, and feel happy. And, 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 and the moment we nurture our soul with zikrullah, reading the Quran, or following the, the, the Hadith of Rasulullah, following the Sunnah of Rasulullah, the more we get closer to our soul, the further we get away uh, from dunya stuff, the further we will get away from all these designer things and, and, and pleasing other people uh, with what we do and what we wear and where we stay. On that spiritual note, what a beautiful note to end off on, uh, Doctor. You really said it all there. Give your soul that fuel. Give it that spiritual soul. 
uh, fuel and it will keep away from uh, this dunya. Doctor, you were absolutely mashallah this evening. Perhaps your parting words before I let you go. I think we need to find ourselves, and I think it's important for each one of us to do that. We need to find ourselves. Uh, we need to find our souls. And people go all over the world trying to find themselves. But we, the, the, ourselves, we ourselves are in, in, inside us. Our soul is inside us. And we suppress it with all the worldly things that go into, into, into us. Uh, we need to find that soul. We need to find that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember, our soul knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we need to get as close to our soul as possible for us to get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala better. And, and so each one of us should quietly meditate, quietly sit, quietly sit and think about ourselves and think about what we really want, what we really need to do to get peace of mind and to try and satisfy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do things to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time. And I think that's where we are going to get peace and comfort and, we are, and that's where we are going to stop we're going to get off the train that's taking us to nowhere uh, in this dunya. Yeah, beautifully said that he that knows his heart, he knows himself. He that knows himself, he knows his uh, Lord. Dr. Faru Kapiji, you have a mashallah evening ahead. I really enjoyed you. And inshallah, look forward uh, to more contributions from uh, your good self on this platform. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Time for us to go for the Isha Azan, and inshallah we will continue after that.